this is our annual, what we call the state of the church, you know. Uh, presidents have their state of address, governors, mayors. This is my chance to sort of kind of give a rundown on where I believe we are at as a church, where we've been, where I believe the Lord is taking us. And so if, uh, if you're relatively new, this is kind of where you want to tap in and kind of decide, do I really want to stay here? <laughs> this is your chance to kind of know where our heart is. And, and I say that facetiously, but, but I also do believe that, you know, I remember Pastor Chuck said something many years ago that stuck with me. He said, he was talking to young pastors, uh, and he said, you know, if you don't know it now, you will. You can't minister to everybody. You know, and what you find out is that what God does is when he, he raises you up or he calls you into ministry or whatever, um, and he, he gives you the ability to just minister to people, which, by the way, I'm shocked that anybody even, even comes here on a Sunday morning. To me, it's never source. It's always a, a source of blessing and, and thanksgiving that people even show up or tune in online, you know. But the, but the reality of it is, it's the Holy Spirit that gathers a group of people together to worship the Lord. And so I'm just thankful for you. I'm thankful you are the church. You are this church. You who come, you who call this place your home church. Um, and we don't have an official membership, but what we do have is just worshiping the Lord together. Amen? Amen. And so... Um, I, I think that we would have to all agree that this past year has been like no other, right? Like no other, like no other's mother. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is, it's been off the charts as being strange and what we would not have anticipated. And I don't know if you can remember, but I was remembering back this time last year, we had come off the, 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 the most... Largest group of people on a Christmas that we've ever experienced in this church, okay? And uh, and at that point, it was just like, wow, the Lord is working, is, is doing some awesome things, and then COVID hit. Now, at that time, we had like seven small groups that were either meeting in homes or, or in our office, um, and just it seemed like there was just so much energy happening, and then all of this happened. And our family sort of was able to, we had planned a trip to Hawaii like for a year. And so right in March, and we thought, okay, well, do we, do we do this? And we prayed about it, and we felt, yeah, if we don't do it now, who knows when we would ever be able to do this again. So we flew out of here <laughs> in March on a plane that we, there's only two, we were one of two groups of people on the plane. I mean, everybody was just like, you know, hunkering down and everything. And and uh, we were almost afraid to even put on Facebook that we were gone for fear of like ridicule. You know what I mean? Uh, but we were so glad we had this opportunity. But when we came back, everything, we came back, everything was like clamped down and we had to do church, right? Online for all the way through Easter, all the way into May. And, you know, nobody was prepared for that. We're not alone in this. It's like all of the churches that throughout our nation that have ha been having to grapple with whole new issues and problems and restrictions and, and all of it. And, and how do we continue to do church? Well, we did. I mean, we had to up our game on the live stream. And if you're watching on now, it's praise God if it's happening because it wouldn't be as good uh, <laughs> if it had it. Um, and then we began to take our small groups and we went on Zoom so we could still meet for our home studies and our, uh, our, our men and women's studies, our prayer groups. Um, and so, and then we formed a thing called Project 773 because the one thing that was really lacking, I mean, we could still teach the word, we could still pray together, but the fellowship, the fellowship. And I think that the thing that I have realized over this past year is the importance of the fellowship, the communion, the koinonia, the oneness that we have when we come together. And so we did it online, but in, and 
was better than nothing, but it's still not quite the same, right, as, as the fellowship. And it's interesting because last year, if you will recall, at our State of the Church, I shared on the model of the church as found in the book of Acts. And in Acts 2.42, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued steadfastly in these things. And we found out just what a challenge that would be to continue steadfastly in the teaching of the word, in prayer and fellowship and breaking bread, communion together, Lord's Supper, as well as just eating together. But we've done it. Praise God. We're, we're here. We've, we've come through a lot of this stuff. We're still meeting together. We still have people that are meeting in homes. Uh, we have a lot of people that are you don't see here, but they're still part of our church. I know because they text me and talk to me and ask for prayer requests and everything else. And, and our giving has continued. I mean, we have not suffered through all of this financially because of your faithfulness. So God has sustained us. On Friday, we had our annual staff it was uh, supposed to be a Christmas dinner, but because so many of us had COVID, it ended up being uh, a New Year's sort of dinner kind of thing. But what we were doing was just sharing, you know, well, what happened? What, what are your favorite moments of this past year? And it was amazing as we began to list everything out, how faithful God has been to us. And not only that, but probably even more importantly, the things that he's been doing in our hearts through this process. And so, you know, it, it's been rough, but Jesus never promised us a rose garden, right? <laughs> he's, in fact, he said, you will, well, he promised us thorns, so I guess you could say he promised us a rose garden, right? Uh, he said that there will be trials in this world. In this world, you'll have tribulation, precious promise. But be of good cheer, take courage, take heart, because I've overcome the world. And there's going to be that trumpet sound. And we're going to be out of here, amen? And the Lord wants us to live with that expectancy, but he also wants us to live with a very light touch on this world. And I think this last year has really shaken us up in this regard to that. How have you done that, church? How much does this world have to do for us? And it shouldn't because the whole Bible teaches us that we're pilgrims, we're strangers here. This is not our home. And so with that, we have hope. We have a hope that the world does not have. A joyful, confident expectation in a returning Savior and in the kingdom of God that lasts forever. And we need to grab onto that hope like you might grab onto the reins of a horse that's bucking, you know, and you hold on for dear life. Because that, when everything else fades, when everything else goes away, Jesus said, my words will never pass away. Someone said, our heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. So, if I had to sum up what the state of our church is right now in one sentence, so if you have to go right now after I say this, okay, at least you got the gist of it, okay. It would be, <laughs> I heard that laugh from Craig Martin, uh, uh, would be this. We are a group of sinners saved by grace, following Jesus above all else and helping others to follow Jesus above all else. Amen? All right, good night. You may go now. Yes, Tizzy. I, I honestly have thought about what God has been doing in this whole process, and I do believe it's been a test. This is just a very, very minor sort of pop quiz, okay, compared to the test that the world is going to go through during the tribulation period, of which I don't think we will be there for that, but we are here for this. And uh, it's sort of a dress rehearsal, if you will, in a way, uh, because it's going to get a lot worse, okay, during the tribulation. We're not there yet, no. But we could be on our way, very, very possibly. We are obviously so much closer now than we've ever been uh, to the end of all things, as the Bible tells us. Um, but I think that 
there's been something else that's been going on here too. And I just think this is global. You know, we, we meet, I meet with Miku um, Haigu, our pastor in uh, Brashov, Romania. I meet with him for an hour at least every month um, on FaceTime, you know. And, and uh, you know, they're going through the same thing there. In fact, it's more of a crackdown. They've had uh, limitations on how many people can meet together in the same room. Um, but it's worldwide. You know, it's a worldwide phenomenon that, that is happening. It's, it's really shaking things up, and it's been a test. And, you know, Peter said that judgment must begin first in the house of God. We don't like that. I don't like that. You don't like that. But it's the reality. You know, is God, the father is a loving father. He only disciplines his own kids. And he doesn't discipline those that, that are not his kids. And so there, there is discipline for all of us in this from a loving father who's training us to be more like his son. Okay? Now, it's very similar to me to what happened to the children of Israel. And I've thought a lot about this over this past year. In Deuteronomy 8.2, it was after 40 years of being in the wilderness, after coming out of the bondage of Egypt, being in the wilderness for 40 years, Moses in the book of Deuteronomy is giving his closing remarks just before God takes him, you see. And so he said, he said in Deuteronomy 8.2, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. You see, it wasn't any fun, honestly. Forty years in a desert wilderness? That was not fun. That was a challenge. And yet Moses said, God humbled you, and he's taught you, and he fed you with manna coming down every day. He gave you water out of the rock. But all of this was to teach you to depend, not on the things you were used to, not on the leeks and the garlic and the flesh pots of Egypt, but upon the Lord God and his word. Because that is your sustenance, and that was going to be absolutely necessary for when they went into the promised land. God taught them, and I believe that he's tested us. I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of things that the Lord has sort of unearthed in my own heart that I had to deal with, and they haven't been necessarily pretty, but I believe that this is part of God's process in our lives because he loves us, and he's teaching us, and he wants us to, above all else, trust in him with all of our hearts. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Amen? That's still as solid as it ever was. COVID didn't change that at all. It's still true. So, so that's 2020, you know. Um, in a nutshell, God has done some great things. We could go through it. I'm going to be sending out a, a year in review letter, and I'll, I'll highlight a lot of those things that, that God has done. Last week, we had um, our youth winter camp. I love that. And, you know, when you, when you say it to the point that, that it's cliche, you say that the youth is our future. But they are. You know, some of us, I, I'm watching some of you actually now. Not that I lose any hair at all. Samuel never would have chosen. But when God begins to do something, so often it starts with young people. And I think part of the reason is that they're so hopeful. They're not jaded. They're new wine skins. You know, I don't want 
collection, please do not count me in that mix. And if I go there, just lock me up, throw me, throw me in, a, in a home somewhere. <laughs> because God wants to do a fresh work. And these kids are too important now not to go after it. Amen? I'm so encouraged by that. So we say goodbye to 2020. You were memorable, but you won't be missed. <laughs> so what's next? Paul's letter to the Galatian churches is considered by many to be his first epistle that he wrote. And these churches he and Barnabas planted on their first missionary journey. But not long after, they went in and established the churches, strengthened the disciples, and so forth. There were these who came in, and they were known as Judaizers. And as these new Gentile converts were simply trusting in Jesus Christ for their salvation, for their righteousness, for their right standing with God, these guys came in and said, well, that's a good start, but if you really want to be perfect, you need to be circumcised, circumcised obviously the males, <laughs> and you need to begin to keep the laws of Moses. And uh, Paul was livid because he had been there, done that. He had been a Pharisee of Pharisees. If anybody could have known what a righteousness under the law was about, he could have written the book. And he saw the bondage that these guys were putting upon these new baby believers who simply trusted in Jesus Christ. And he went ballistic. And, and, and you know, in a lot of his other letters, he sort of, you know, sort of has a longer introduction, but not with Galatians. He goes, I am surprised that you would so quickly turn away from this gospel that I preached. I mean, he just gets on it. Because he realized that this would be terrible and would ruin what God was doing. And so um, he wrote in Galatians 2.19, he said, For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, what Paul traded when he, on that Damascus road, made Jesus Christ his Lord, is he traded all of this righteousness that he had tried to earn, like an Eagle Scout merit badge, as he said. And he traded all of that. He gave it all up. And he said, I have nothing but Jesus Christ. And I want nothing but to know him and to know his righteousness that he's given to me, not because I earned it, but because God gave it to me as a gift through believing in Jesus Christ. I am justified by faith. And it's not about me trying to keep the rules anymore. It's about the incarnational work of Jesus Christ living in me. I was crucified that day to my own self-righteousness. And I became a new person. And Christ was born in me. And now it's him living through me. The life I live, I live by faith in him. He loved me, he delivered himself up for me. And he wanted the Galatians to understand this incarnational work of Jesus Christ, that it was Christ in them. And that was what mattered. It was believing in him, receiving justification by their faith alone, and then allowing Christ to live in them and through them. And anything else would have been a travesty. It was another gospel, and Paul
Paul said it's no gospel at all. It's not good news. And if anybody brings you a different gospel, even if it's an angel from heaven, let him be anathema, which means eternally condemned, damned, basically. If anybody else brings you any other gospel than what we have preached. Serious words, but he knew what he was talking about. And so in Galatians 4, 19, he said, my little children, I love that. It's so endearing. Hey, by the way, does that offend you? Does that offend you when the Bible calls you little children? It doesn't offend me. It's the children of Israel. God calls those whom he loves his children. To me, that's a very endearing thing. And Paul had that heart. He had the heart of a father who takes pity on his children, has compassion on his children, but who also disciplines his children. You know, you might go through the grocery store at Walmart and you see some kid kicking and screaming because they can't get Captain Crunch cereal in the aisle, you know. They're ripping into their parents. And you might want to just take that child and take them into the bathroom, as I used to do as a father, and show the, the will of the Lord more perfectly to that child. <laughs> uh, but you can't. And if you do, they'll probably arrest you because it's not your kid. But the father, Jesus says, those are my love, I rebuke and discipline. So he said, I have my little children said for whom I labor in birth again now he's comparing himself to a woman giving birth going through labor pains I'm like that woman I'm, I'm, in, my, I'm in the labor until what until Christ is born or formed in you I'm living for this that Christ would be formed in you that's what I'm laboring for. That's what, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what causes me to write all of these letters. That's, it's all about Christ being formed in you. And uh, as your pastor, that's what I feel God's called me to. He hasn't called me to politics. I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> All these things that, that came to the forefront this year. He's called me to form Christ in you. And that's my calling, and that's what I'm going to do till my dying day by the grace of God. It's Christ in you. When people look at you, do they see Christ in you? What will we be known for? Will we be known as those that represented Jesus, that loved him and imitated him and tried to do what he would do? You know, it, there's been a lot of fear that, well, you know, they're going to come in and they, and I never have been able to figure out who they are, but they're going to take away our rights and we're not going to be able to, you know, worship. And, and okay, you know, we would not be the first that that happened to, by the way. Look at the underground church in China. They're actually very strong. They avoid a lot of the Laodicean lukewarmness that the church in America has had to deal with. Why? Because it costs so much to follow Christ in that country. And you find that any place where there has been persecution against the church of Jesus Christ. It actually makes for some pretty solid Christians. So I, I don't want that. I'm not advocating that that happens. But, but if that did happen, if they came and were arresting the Christians, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I hope so. I hope that we're some of the first they take. I, I, I hope that when it comes to Daryl Zachman, they say, oh yeah, that guy, he's a Christian. Let's go get him. 
they shoot me, then I get to go be with Jesus. I don't really care. It's ultimately, how does the Lord want me to glorify him either through life or, or through death? See? And, and I say that not because I really believe this is going to happen, you know, now and, you know, with a new president or what, all the things, you know. I, but if it did, is there enough evidence that you are a solid believer in Jesus Christ? Is that what you're living for? Is Christ formed in you? That's my job. My job. Why did God call me into the ministry? To form Christ in you. And I can relate to what Paul is saying here. And so, um, but we are in the times. Let's be honest. I think if one thing that we've come through with all of this is to recognize that Hey, we never thought things could change so quickly, so drastically, where we are among probably a minority of churches that can just sort of move without restriction. You know, consider wearing a face mask with restriction. I mean, that's pretty right in the face of the cross, okay? But there's a lot of churches that are not even able to meet right now. Like I said, Nico, they, they can have maximum of 20 people. Other places in California, they can't even meet legally. So I count ourselves to be pretty darn blessed to just even be able to meet with total government approval and blah, 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 without having to do safety screenings and whatnot. Not that I wouldn't. I would if we had. We are among probably a minority of churches that can just sort of move without restriction. I mean, Consider wearing a face mask with restriction. I mean, that's pretty light in the face of the cross, okay? But there's a lot of ch churches that are not even able to meet right now. Like I said, Nico, they, they can have maximum of 20 people. Other places in California, they can't even meet legally. So I count ourselves to be pretty darn blessed to just even be able to meet with total government approval and blah, 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 without having to safety screenings and whatnot. Not that I wouldn't. I would. We had. We are among among probably a, probably a minor churches churches that can just sort of meet out this restriction. I mean, consider face face mask a restriction. That's pretty light compared to the, compared to the cross. Okay. A lot of church 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 churches that are not even able to meet right now. Like they they can have maximum have maximum twenty people. Is in California, in California, meet legally. So I count ourselves pr pretty darn blessed to just even be able to meet with, to with total government approval, blah, 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 without having disobedience and disobedience and whatnot. Not that I wouldn't, I would. We had, we are among probably, a, probably, a my, probably churches, churches that can just sort of can just out meet out restriction, restriction. I mean, if you can space or base mask, that's pretty light compared to the, the, compared to the cross. Okay. Okay. Not a church, not a church, churches that are not, that are not even needed right now. Right now. Like Nico, they, they can have maximum, have maximum 20 people. Is in Cal, is in California, in California, meet legally. So I count ourselves be darn blessed, darn blessed to just even be able to meet with total government, total government approval, blah, 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 without having this, without having disobedience and disobedience and whatnot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would among, among probably, um, probably, um, probably churches, churches that can just, out can just out meet restrictions. I mean, if you, I mean, face, can space, face, ask, space, ask, it's pretty light compared to the, 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 compared to the cross. Okay. Okay. Not a church, not a church, churches that are not even needed right now, right now, right now. They can have maximum, have maximum 20 people, people. Is in Cal, is in California, in California, meet legally. Count ourselves, count ourselves blessed, darn blessed, darn blessed, to just even with total government, total government approval without having, without having, without having disobedience and disobedience and whatnot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't among, among, probably, 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 churches, 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 can just, can just, can just, can can space, space, ask, it's pretty light compared to the cross, okay, okay. Not a church, church, churches that are not even needed right now, right now, right now. They can have maximum 20 people, 20 people. 
is in Cal is in Cal is in California meet Fornia legally. Count our our so our blessed darn blessed darn to just even total government total government total government approval of God have I have disobedience and disobedience and disobedience and all that. I wouldn't among among probably probably usually usually Darn blessed. 